But how many know Thanksgiving Day is not just meant once a year? It's amazing the history of Thanksgiving, a little bit different in the United States than it is in Canada, but very similar in terms of the reason for it. Let me tell you what Thanksgiving is about in Canada. January 31st, uh, in 1957, the Canadian Parliament announced that on the second Monday in October, this is actually written down, this is what it says, that Thanksgiving would be, quote, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. Wow. That's the history of Thanksgiving in Canada. Very similar to the U.S. as well, but on a different date, obviously. To be thankful for Almighty God and the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. What a great thing in our history that that is stated there. Of course, the scriptures, aren't they? They're replete. They're filled with uh, thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, bless, and praise his name. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Philippians 4, when you're really going through a hard time, this is my favorite scripture. First scripture I ever memorized in my life. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. These are some good scriptures on thanksgiving, but how many of you know the scriptures have hundreds of, of times that we are called to have remembrance and to be thankful to God. And I think that's very important. You know, I've seen in my own life, and I'm going to be really honest with you today, uh, a lack of gratitude at times. And I find when I get my eyes off of God, when I get my eyes off of, uh, you know, the, the incredible abundance of good things in my life, I can start to have an ungrateful life. You know, maybe worrying or complaining or grumbling starts to happen. And it was a while ago that I said to my wife, you know, I I need to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. And so I began to just kind of research, how do I grow my heart to be more thankful? How many of you can do that? You can change your heart and uh, you can sow seeds of gratitude. And that's what I want to really talk about a little bit today. And I think in our world today, we are living in a world that is becoming less and less grateful. We have so many things to be thankful for and we are so not expressing and sowing the seeds and cultivating a heart of gratitude. You know, I think even when we should be grateful, we find ourselves still finding something to complain about. And I was thinking about this scripture in Ezra and I'm going to read part of it. They had just finished the foundation of their new temple. They had been in captivity for 70 years. They came back and they built this, uh, the, the foundation for the new temple. And I'm just going to read to you the story about what happened here. It says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, this is Ezra chapter 3, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good and his love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid 
listen to this, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundations of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. How many of you know that in our world today, there is so much noise? There's so much noise. There are so many shouts. And, uh, you know, in this moment of the history of Israel, when uh, those who had been in captivity came back and they saw the foundation being laid, they were overjoyed with thanksgiving and they expressed that to God. But how many of you know sometimes we can look at the exact same thing as somebody else and not be thankful? And that's what's happening in this story. And I understand it because the glory of the former temple seems so much greater than the latter. But of course, God prophesies later and says, I'm telling you, the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the former. And it's not what you see with your eyes, it's what you see with your heart. And so that's what we want to do is we want to talk about why Thanksgiving is so important today. And then I'm going to just spend a little bit more time talking about uh, why we're not grateful sometimes. What things come in the way to get our eyes off of being grateful and having a heart of gratitude? And then I'm going to end us just by giving us some really practical thoughts about how to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, help us to be thankful. More than all the people in the world, we are to be thankful, God. We have so much, such an abundance, so blessed. Here we are meeting together in a room, safe. We're safe, Lord, because of our amazing country that we live in, God. We're blessed. Most of us, God, have a form of transportation. Most of us, God, have food in our fridge. Most of us have shelter. God, most of us have warm clothes to wear. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Only praise, only thanksgiving to you today. Help us, Holy Spirit, to leave this place with a new attitude toward being thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to talk first of all about the power of thanksgiving. And I'm going to tell you, I actually just, I was searching over different things. And I'm going to read to you just the seven things in one article very quickly. Uh, uh, Very quickly, this article was in Forbes magazine. So talking to people who are very concerned about wealth and generating wealth and growing wealth, this psychologist, uh, basic Amy Morin, as her name said, uh, Thanksgiving is not just for one day a year. You need to be thankful every day. And she gave seven scientific reasons why you should be thankful. And uh, you can go on that article and read the, the actual, she actually cites every one of these scientific things. I'm not going to do that. You do that. The article is called Seven Scientifically Proven Benefits of Gratitude That Will Motivate You to Give Thanks Year-Round. It's a long title, but there it is. Number one, gratitude opens the door and makes better relationships. How many of you know when you're thankful for your spouse, when you're thankful for people in your life, don't you love to be around thankful people? Isn't it a blessing to be around people that are thankful, that are gracious, that are, that are, man, I'm just thankful that you did that for me, thankful for my dinner, thankful, mom, that you did my laundry, thankful, 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 makes better relationships. Thank, uh, gratitude improves physical health is the second thought. You know, when you're thankful, uh, you just become more aware of your, everything around you and even improves your physical health. There's actually studies that have proven that. I love this one. Gratitude improves your psychological health. Dr. Robert E. Edmonds 
he's a PhD, and his PhD is in gratitude research. This guy is a doctor of studying how the effects of gratitude affect people's lives. Isn't that amazing? They have a PhD in, uh, in uh, gratitude research. His research confirms that gratitude effectively increases happiness and reduces depression. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. It's, you know, grateful people don't get offended as easily is basically what that's saying. Ungra- uh, sorry, grateful people sleep better. Sleep research has proven that grateful people sleep better. This is what the research said. If you spend just 15 minutes jotting down several things that you're grateful for just before you go to bed, you will sleep better and you will sleep longer. Isn't that amazing? You know, shut off your phone just before you go to bed. Turn off the TV. Spend 10 minutes just being thankful for the day, looking over your day and saying, God, I'm so thankful for. Spend that 10 minutes and then fall to sleep. You know, it says this research proves that actually it will improve your sleep. Grateful people improve self-esteem. And I love this one. Gratitude increases mental strength. I'm actually going to read this whole quote. You can read along with me. Uh, It says, for years, research has shown that gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may play a major role in overcoming trauma. A 2006 study published in Behavioral Research and Therapy found that Vietnam War veterans with higher levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. That's amazing. In 2003, a study published in the Journal of uh, uh, Personality and Social Psychology found that gratitude was a major contributor in resilience following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Recognizing all you have to be thankful for, even during the worst times of your life, fosters resilience. This is all this saying. It's saying this, being thankful is important. That's all it's saying. And I could have cited multiple articles that I read before the sermon, but I just thought I would pull this one out of Forbes magazine because I liked it. You're to be grateful people. It's very important but then I want to talk about, and I, I, the staff and I talked about this this week, and I'm just going to give you some of the points that the staff helped me to come up with. Why are we, are the problem that keeps us, the problems that keep us unthankful? What gets in the way of us being grateful people? And I think the first thing we talked about, and these are in no particular order, is entitlement. Thinking we have a right to something instead of being thankful for all the blessings that we have, as we saw in our video. You think about clean running running water. When you travel the world, you realize how important that really is. When you think about garbage pickup, just run outside next time the guy's picking up your garbage and say, I'm so thankful that you are taking away my trash and my neighbor's trash. Have you ever been somewhere where they don't do garbage pickup and the destruction that that brings to that that nation? It's incredible. Having a car. You know, statistically, if you have a vehicle of any sort, including a bicycle, you're better off than 95% of the world. That is an amazing statistic, you guys, to be thankful for here in North America. I think comparing is another one that causes us some stress and some struggles, doesn't it? Thinking someone has it better than we do, which very similar to that is covetousness. 
wanting what you have, not being thankful for what I have. The lament about what I don't have. Here's one that's really interesting, a cluttered lifestyle. Cluttered lifestyle. We have so much that we don't appreciate anything. Do you know that the average North American has 100, I think it's 70 square feet of storage space on average. Every single North American person that's apart from their own dwelling has 70 extra square feet of storage space for their stuff. We have a lot of stuff, don't we? That's incredible. That clutter can sometimes create a lack of thanksgiving. Here's one of the big ones for me, a loss of perspective. A loss of perspective. You know, the psalmist, and if you want to read this, Psalm 73, uh, the psalmist is very interesting. He says, surely God is good and he's been good to Israel. But then he says, but as for me, I almost lost my way for I started to study the ungodly and my heart became grieved. And what he was, as you read the psalm, he's saying they never, you know, he's, he's losing perspective. He's looking at their lives and he's like, they know they never have trouble. They're never sick. They never go through hard times. How many of you know that's not true? But how many of you know you can lose perspective? <laughs> and you're looking at other people's lives going, why are they so blessed? And why am I going through so many hard times? And we lose perspective. It's interesting. The psalmist goes on and he says, but then I came into the house of God and I got my perspective back. When I stood with God, I said, oh, okay, maybe it's not as I thought it was. I think we're a culture that has lost perspective many times, and I think that creates us having an ungrateful heart. Here's the biggest one for me, the lack of revelation of the grace of God. You know, amazing grace has become ho-hum grace. (laughs) It's kind of like, what have you done for me lately, God? Do we comprehend. I read that passage to you today from Ephesians chapter one. If ever I'm feeling ungrateful, I just turn to Ephesians chapter one and I read those 13 verses and I just sit there and worship because there's any one of those things should cause you to worship God. You are forgiven. Your sins no longer count against you. You are adopted and brought into the family of God. You have been given the Holy Spirit of God who's a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance that God has promised you. You guys, you can't read that passage and not be thankful. It's just replete. And I think we need to study the grace of God. Why do we worship? Why do we spend times in worship? It's to get our eyes off ourselves and to put them onto God. Listen, if your first thought when they're singing a song is I don't really like this song. You've missed the whole point of worship. It ain't about you. You know, that was a high-paced, fast-paced worship order today, man. We were dancing. We were in the, we were in the river. It was woo, party time. And you're like, I just, want to, I just want to soak and meditate. What are they doing today? Just worship. Give thanks. Try moving a foot. It won't kill you. Well, maybe if it, it could kill you if you're supposed to put on the brake instead of the gas and you hit the gas. I mean, you know, don't take me literally. A lack of revelation of the grace of God. How about unmet expectations? You ever want something so bad and the timing of it gets thrown off or it doesn't quite happen? Have you ever 
had that happen to you and then all of a sudden you're like, I have nothing to be thankful for. I think sometimes as a visionary person, uh, I've had to learn painfully at times that the, the, the moment of having a vision or seeing something that's going to happen and the timing of that thing happening are two different things. How many of you know I had no concept whatsoever that it was going to take 10 years to build this church? None. <laughs> In my thinking, I've already seen the church build. I've already seen us there. And so it's like it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's God dragging us through this process and, and increasing in our hearts trust and faith and peace and joy and thanksgiving. It's a lot longer than we thought. How about someday aisle living? Oh, the staff were helping me come up. This was Rick's. Someday aisle. You know, someday aisle living. Someday I'll be rich enough to give. Someday I'll have enough to be thankful. Someday I'll, when I'm single. Someday I'll, when I'm married. Someday I'll, you ever get caught in that someday aisle living? Kind of like looking forward to that, you know, not quite yet, not quite yet, not quite yet. How about right now? You're thankful. Today, you're thankful. That's what you're supposed to do. I, I, this is a quote I, I, I kind of came up with years ago, and I don't know if it makes sense to you, but for me, it helped me. The spirit of the world says, it doesn't matter where I am. It's where I'm not that I want to be. Think about that. That's what the spirit of the world says. You need that to be happy. You need a Hemi. Forget your Ford truck. You need a Hemi. Yeah. I knew there was one, one of you in the crowd that would bite. I was waiting for the biter. Had a feeling it would be my brother. Let's watch this video. I love this guy, Prager University. We're going to watch a video for about, it's about two and a half minutes about gratitude. How many times have you heard someone say they want to make a better world? It is a noble sentiment, but very hard to achieve, right? Well, actually, it's quite easy. All we have to do is increase just one human trait. This trait is so powerful that it alone can make people happier without working on their happiness and make them better and by better, I mean more generous, more honest, more kind, more everything good, without a single lesson in morality. So then, what is this one almost magical thing? Drum roll, please. It's gratitude. You can't be a happy person if you aren't grateful, and you can't be a good person if you aren't grateful. Almost everything good flows from gratitude, and almost everything bad flows from ingratitude. Let's begin with ingratitude. Here's a rule of life. Ingratitude guarantees unhappiness. It is as simple as that. There isn't an ungrateful, happy person on earth. And there isn't an ungrateful, good person on earth. There are two reasons. Reason one is victimhood. Ingratitude always leads to, or comes from, victimhood. Ungrateful people, by definition, think of themselves as victims. And perceiving oneself as a victim, or perceiving oneself as a member of a victim group, may be the single biggest reason people hurt other people, from hurtful comments to mass murder. People who think of themselves as victims 
tend to believe that because they've been hurt by others, they can hurt others. And the second reason ungrateful people aren't good people is that ingratitude is always accompanied by anger. The ungrateful are angry, and angry people lash out at others. If ingratitude makes people unhappy and mean, then gratitude must make people happy and kind. And so it does. Think of the times you have felt most grateful. Were they not always accompanied by a feeling of happiness? Weren't they also accompanied by a desire to be kinder to other people? The answer, of course, is yes. Grateful people aren't angry, and they don't see themselves as victims. I cut it off. It's about eight minutes long. But you can go and check Prager University. He's really good. I really like the stuff he has to say. It's not good. We want to be grateful people. So how do we do it? I want to give you a plan for Thanksgiving, just some brief thoughts today for you to take. And to, I, I would challenge all of you to take one of these thoughts or your own thought about how to this week increase my gratitude level and cultivate a heart of Thanksgiving. Here's the first one. Sow seeds of gratitude daily to God. Thanksgiving at night, as we said, journal. Write down some things to be thankful for. If you look throughout your day, there will always be things and moments for you to start to see that you might be grateful. And I think journaling allows you to do that. I love this. Psalm 26.7 says this, that I may publish with a voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. It's okay to publish something, to say something about and to be thankful for, to write it down. I think that will help you. I think prayer, uh, you know, starting your prayer time, we've been learning in prayer, and I really do want to encourage you to come out to prayer. It's been powerful. Our prayer meetings have been awesome, off the charts. We only looked at the very first starting prayer part last week. We looked at our Father who art in heaven. And we spent time, uh, an entire hour, telling you how powerful of an introduction. That is simply the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, in that introduction, there were things about intimacy, that you, you have a Father you have a father who loves you, that you are part of a community. It is our father, that you're part of a community, people that have been adopted into the kingdom of God, been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son of God whom God loves. I'm, I'm incredible, just those, this intimacy that is yours because of what Christ has done. Incredible. Uh, you're part of this not only community, but you have an inc- awesome proximity to God. Our father who art in heaven. You know, we think of heaven in a wrong way, completely wrong. The word heaven to the Hebrews meant in the ever-present now, in the atmosphere I currently live in. That's literally what you're saying. You're saying our Father who is presently right here, right now, part of my life, part of my situation, you are in the proximity of my life, you are closer than the air I breathe. That's literally how they would hear that passage. God, you're right here. I don't know about you, but I often would be looking for heaven, thinking heaven is the furthest place from me. No, no, no. Your current circumstance and situation is God's present address. He's right there with you. And when you start prayer that way, saying, God, you're here now. God, you're for me. You have nothing but thanksgiving to express. And then we found out that, you know, we won't go into it here, but uh, it's incredible to understand that when we say our father, the very first time God is called a, a, a father in scripture is about delivering Israel from their bondage of slavery in, in Egypt. 
And there's a principle in the Bible called the principle of the firsts. And what that means is when you see something that is in the Bible for the first time and that it is repeated throughout the Bible from that point, there's something specific for you to learn. And so what happens there is when you understand that when God was called a father back in the book of Exodus of the nation of Israel to deliver his sons from bondage, there's a principle that every person needs to understand. When God is our father, he actually invites us into this idea of seeing people set free. We are actually called by God to see people delivered in this world, to be set free from their bondage to sin and to brought home to the father's house and to the father's heart. You know, that's an incredible thing. That's all in the introduction of the Lord's prayer. That's the opening lines. How many of you know all you can do is be thankful when you start listing those things, saying, God, thank you that you've called me to be a deliverer in this world. Thank you that I'm part of the family business to help people find their way home. Thank you, God, that I have a purpose that's greater than just getting out of bed in the morning. God, you are with me. You are for me. You want me to go out into this world and to speak your light and your life and your hope and your peace to the people around me. Woo! That's a good start of prayer. (laughs) I, yeah, amen. I mean, we're not even into the second line of prayer yet. How many want to come to prayer meeting now on Wednesday night? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so just sow seeds of thanksgiving and gratitude. Here's the second one if you're going to cultivate a, a heart of thanksgiving is plant thankful words in others. Would it kill you to write a card once in a while? Send a text. You know, one of the things I like to do when we're praying for families or people sometimes, uh, when I'm praying for them, I'll often, if they're on my list, if I have their number, I might send them a text and just say, hey, we're praying for you today. Thinking about you today. Bringing you, so thankful for you. You can do that, you know. You want to freak people out, send, send your spouse a text not saying pick up milk on the way home. I'm so thankful that you can pick up milk on the way home. It just changes the whole way that text is read. <laughs> See, I'm just setting you free to really be blessed that way. You know, uh, you know, one of the things you can do is actually you can buy a card, fill out a nice thankful thought for your spouse and actually mail it to them. Don't just hand it to them. Mail it to them. You want to surprise them? You won't even remember you did it and 30 days later or 15 days later, you'll get the biggest kiss <laughs> And you're like, what is going on? What's wrong? I got your card. Oh, yeah, I know. I said it. I'm so excited. Just try it. I'm telling you, it works all the time. Um, my wife used to send little notes every day at lunch for our kids in their lunch bags. And these little notes would be like little words, little words of encouragement. Like, so thankful for. Or, I sure love you. Or, when I, every thought about you makes me happy. You know, I'm so thankful when you're good to other people. Like just little notes of encouragement. Every day they'd come home from their lunch and they'd, get, they'd be looking forward to their lunch because they'd open up their lunch bag and there was a note of encouragement in there. Powerful. It's amazing. And I, 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 I expressed to my wife once that I, I really, you know, I don't know why I don't get any notes. And uh, I opened my Bible to preach one day. Not many of you know this. And there was a note in there saying, you are the sexiest preacher I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) The sermon was cut short that day. (laughs) 
Uh, it causes me to open my Bible more than I ever did. <laughs> Frank Blake, the former CEO of, uh, of uh, Home Depot, and uh, uh, President George W. Bush used to spend one hour every week writing personal notes of encouragement or thanksgiving for people in their lives. Every week of their life, they would spend one hour writing those notes. That's a pretty good discipline to have in your life. Incredible. I think you can weed things. You're planting thankful words in others. Here's another one. Weed them by setting a reminder to be thankful. You know, it may sound strange, but um, how many of you know you need to be reminded even throughout your day? In, uh, you know, I was reading about this and they were saying, set a reminder every 57 minutes to spend three minutes in Thanksgiving. You think that's crazy? I did it. I actually, I, I, but I set my reminder for every two hours. Every two hours, my alarm would go off on my phone and I would pause and just pray and be thankful. And I'm going to tell you something. It was the worst day I've ever had in my life (laughs) in terms of circumstance. But in terms of heart, it was one of the best days I ever had. Because I'm going to tell you, this is the most bizarre thing. Everything that could go wrong was going wrong, but I knew my alarm was about to go off. And I knew I would have to bring this before God and I knew I'd be talking to God. So I was like, well, God, I guess this is my day, and I guess this is what we're doing today. Okay. I lost an entire sermon near the end of the day. It just gone. It was like everything that could go wrong went wrong. My computer went down. It was just like, what is going on today, God? Here this day, I'm trying to be very mindful and thankful. But, you know, because I was, even in the midst of those bad things, it was still a good day. So it can work, you guys. Seed, weed yourself by sending a reminder. Here's the fourth thing I thought of, nurture the soil of your children by teaching them to be grateful. Parents, ha- sit down with your kids at night and just say, what do, you, what do you like about your school today? What did you like about school today? What do you like about your brother? That may take them a while to come up with something, but <laughs> encourage them. What do you like about, you know, just, be th- just find something that they like. Don't start with thankful. Just start, what, did you li- what do you like? What's your favorite food? And when they say that thing, then teach them to say, okay, when we pray tonight, we're going to say, thank you, God, for. You're training your kids to be grateful. And you can do that. So you're nurturing the soil of your children by teaching them to be grateful. Water and fertilize by slowing down and surveying all that you have to be grateful for. We are so engaged as a culture. Um, you got to unplug Sometimes, you guys. I saw a virtual reality commercial and, uh, about a new virtual reality machine. And it's, you know, the virtual reality goggles that you wear and then you see the world through these lenses. And so this guy was like, this virtual reality was called real reality. And he has the lenses all cut out. And the kid's walking through the, walking through the forest and he's like, wow, look at that tree. And he's t- he reaches out and he's touching like leaves. And he's like, it feels so real. It's called real reality. (laughs) Just open up your eyes. The Lord is good. Amen? I was fishing this week in Newfoundland, and I'm going to tell you, I got some of the most beautiful sunsets. I was fishing with my son. I was was blessed. It was amazing in every way. Yeah, you know, you could miss that. You could miss these incredible moments, the gifts from God every day that are coming to us. Amen? Here's the last one. Spread the seeds of gratitude through social media. So, 
Five years ago, I asked this church family to take 14 days of being thankful. 14 days of being thankful. And uh, so people posted on their Facebook walls for, for 14 days different things they were thankful for. But my nephew, Jesse, has not stopped that. And so he's on number 1974. It's Jesse right over there. So for five years, over five years, Jesse has written down every single day on his Facebook wall something he is thankful for. And I'm going to just list a few of them right here. So in number 1971 on Wednesday this past week was thankful for learning. 1927, thankful for a home always to go to. 1878, thankful for Canada. That was on Canada Day. 1888, thankful for epic beards. Happy birthday to my brother, Daniel Fraser. Daniel, stand up. (laughs) Stand up and show us your epic beard. Yep. You might need this one, people. Write this one down for you for later. Thankful for sparkle in the snow, number 1645. You're going to need that very soon, I think. (laughs) Number 1646, thankful for childlike wonder. 1613, this was last year and the same day of Thanksgiving. It says, thankful for Thanksgiving. Number 1499, thankful for vanilla. And my personal favorite, number 1910, thankful for poutine. (laughs) I don't go on Facebook every day, but every day I go on Facebook, I look for Jesse's posts of Thanksgiving because they always make me smile, Jesse. And I, I, you know, I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to just express to Jesse how thankful I am that he is thankful. And so... I had $50 left over from my fishing trip and I'm really cheap and I'm Scottish <laughs> and my wife didn't take it out of my wallet so it's still there. So Jesse, 50 is the number of grace is the number five so I'm going to 10 times that grace and just express God's thanksgiving to you. Come on up here and get this So much to be thankful for that I didn't have a hundred in my wallet. (laughs) Uh, So bad. I just blew that whole thing right there. (laughs) Why don't we just, uh, why don't we stand up now, a few of you, and just maybe just shout out something you're thankful for. Feel free to pop, we'll call it a popcorn testimony. Shout out something you're thankful for. Family. Pumpkin pie. Got a turkey, turkey. Live turkeys. So, tri- children. Healthy children, amen. Hockey, thank God. The last game wasn't good yet, but it was, yes, we are thankful for hockey. Awesome husband, thankful. Amen, I love him too. Salvation. Go ahead. People that love and care for you around here, amen. How many are thankful that we're getting to be part of the community celebration and we're feeding a bunch of people here in this location? Thankful for that team, amen. 
church, I want to encourage you this week to do something to cultivate a more thankful heart. Amen? Let's just do that this week.